Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. I'd like to tell you a story about the first time that I ever worried for the future of the state of Israel. I was at the Kotel, the the Western Wall, what some consider to be the holiest site in Judaism. And I was there to support my female friends and my classmates who wanted to do one simple thing. Read from the Torah on Rosh Chodesh, the, the uh, the head of the Jewish month. And that to me, it seemed pretty straightforward, right? Reading Torah at the Western Wall. But because these were women who wanted to read from the Torah, hundreds or maybe a thousand protesters came from all over Israel to try and stop them. I saw ultra-Orthodox men and women steal Siddurim, steal prayer books out of my friend's hands, rip them, burn them, Some of them even spat on my friends. They yelled at me. They they yelled at all of us. Atem lo Yehudim. You are not Jews. You are not Jews. They yelled at people who were literally reading the Torah at the Western Wall. Absurd. And this was allowed to happen because the government has given control of the Kotel, as it has done to nearly all religious matters, to the ultra-Orthodox. And it was then that I first worried about the future of the state of Israel. Because what does it mean for a state to give even some control to Jews who are so sure about their version of the truth, so sure about what God wants from us, about what's the right way to be a Jew and what is not, that they would burn a prayer book or attack a fellow Jew. How does that bode for the future of the Jewish state? But now, the entire government, the entire ruling coalition is either beholden to or comprised of people like that. And it is tearing Israel apart. This government is not just comprised of ultra-Orthodox parties who have said that reformed Jews are worse than Holocaust deniers. Some of the most powerful ministers are far-right settlers who want to completely annex the West Bank, forestalling any hope of a two-state solution. Parties who hate gay people, who want to treat Israel's Arab minority as second-class citizens. Unfortunately, I could go on. But as you likely know, last week the Knesset passed the first of over a dozen proposed bills that would radically alter the balance of power between the government and Israel's Supreme Court. And it would neuter the court's ability to be a check on the Knesset. Even though I do want to admit this first bill, which limited the court's ability to negate certain government decisions based on their, quote, reasonableness, even though this bill is actually the mildest 
and I personally believe reasonable, of all the judicial reform proposals. Its passage has divided the country more than at any other time in Israel's history. Leading up to last week, nearly two million, two million people have protested. Over a fifth of the country has taken the time to attend at least one protest. That would be like 60 million people in the United States. It is a staggering number. For a country of nine million people, the scale is unimaginable. Hundreds of thousands of people standing out in the cold and pouring rain in the winter. This has been going on for 30 weeks. Coming back week after week after week. And last week, tens of thousands of people, who's been to Israel in July? Tens of thousands of people marched in the scorching heat 40 miles from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, the protest outside the, Knesset, outside the Knesset. And many thousands of Israelis are refusing service in the army. Venture capital, the lifeblood of startup nation, has dried up. The shekel has declined precipitously. Israel is coming apart at the seams. In the words of the quite centrist, founding editor of the Times of Israel, David Horowitz. It's like we've been taken over by a deranged, masochistic demolition squad, except that the Jewish supremacists in the coalition know exactly what they're doing. And the prime minister who empowered them is dissembling as Israel implodes, fanning the flames as the country burns. Israelis have been turned against each other, our enemies are emboldened, our allies baffled and horrified. The economy is collapsing. The military is torn. And that's the end of the quote, but he goes on. But the thing I think it's so important to understand is that it did not have to be this way. In January, just a few months ago, before Justice Minister, excuse me, Yariv Levine, before he tried to ram through this extreme and completely one-sided judicial overhaul, there was actually broad support, broad support, for at least some consensus reforms to Israel's judiciary. Most people agreed that there should be some change. You see, Israel's judiciary is more powerful relative to its elected government than nearly any other Western democracy. The court is more powerful than the Knesset than almost any comparable country. And so centrist academics and the general public were open to some rebalancing. But the Netanyahu government, led by Simcha Rotman and Yariv Lavin, had no interest in consensus, no interest in compromise. And for the last three months, Israel's president tried to foster compromise, but in the moments before the vote last week, as Defense Minister Yoav Gallant could be seen frantically pleading with Netanyahu and Levine for a compromise, apparently, according to some accounts, one was there to be had, the government pressed on anyway. Reflecting on the current divide in this country, in Israel, Prominent Israeli rabbi Benny Lau, who's actually first cousins with the chief rabbi of Israel, he shared this lesson from the Talmud. Two boats are traveling down a river, 
and they encounter each other at a narrow place, a very narrow place, if both of them try to pass at the same time, both boats will sink. If one passes after the other, though, they will both succeed. Rabbi Lau teaches that Israel's leaders are so concerned about their boat, their boat going through first, that they are willing to let both boats sink. And yet, and yet I believe that there are rays of hope. You may have read in the New York Times or other media about the end of Israeli democracy, but nothing could be further from the truth. The mass protest movement, which has galvanized the silent center, not just the left-wing opposition, but many on the right as well, it is a shining light of hope and of democratic strength. New York Times columnist Tom Friedman called it, I'm quoting, the most significant grassroots democracy promotion initiative that he has covered. And he has covered Maidan, he covered Tahrir Square, he covered revolutions all over the world. And for 30 weeks in a row, for more than half a year, every week, Israelis from all walks of life, over 20% of the country, have devoted their efforts to stopping this overhaul. And their symbol, imagine a protest movement doing this in America, their symbol is the Israeli flag. Their chant is Demokratia. And they have been remarkably effective in stopping or at the very least delaying the most extreme of the government's proposals. For 30 years, the center of this country has been pushed aside in Israeli politics, but they are back with a vengeance and they are not going away. 89 years into the history of this country, our country, the United States was nearly torn apart by civil war as the different sides fought for the kind of country that they wanted it to be. And this year marks 75 years after Israel's founding. And thank God, the protest movement has been almost entirely peaceful. Israel seems unlikely, at least at this stage, to have a civil war. And yet, this is very much a fight for what kind of country Israel will be. Times of Israel's senior analyst and in my opinion, a quite sensible voice on Israeli politics, Haviv Retegor, he thinks that this process is actually long overdue. He said this week, what happened in this country was actually good. I think what just happened was healthy. For decades, this country has held a lot of domestic internal questions that we've been carrying and that have been tearing us apart from the inside. And yes, they are now at the fore, they are exploding in our faces, but I don't think that's such a bad thing. This is not Israel collapsing. This is Israel growing up. He says, I think we're going to get into a good period of reckoning. Yes, it will be painful and it will get worse before it gets better. But ultimately, he argues, it will lead to the kind of reckoning Israel needs. Whether it wants to be led by Zealots who yell, Atim lo Yehudim, you are not Jews. 
at Jews who believe that women should have equal rights. Or whether it wants to live up to its founding ideals, this from Israel's Megillat Atzma'ut, its Declaration of Independence, which reads, Israel will foster the development of the country for the benefit of all of its inhabitants. It will be based on freedom, justice, and peace as envisaged by the prophets of Israel. It will ensure complete equality of social and political rights to all its inhabitants, irrespective of religion, race, or sex. And it will guarantee the freedom of religion, conscious language, and education, and culture. Some of you may be wondering, may be thinking, what can we do? What can we do as American Jews who believe that the Jewish homeland can and must, and must live up to those ideals? I'll share the perspective of Rabbi Daniel Gordis, who was raised in America, but who has made his home in Jerusalem for many decades. He says that first, first we must not shy away from the truth. And I have to say, it pains me. It pains me to talk so openly about the flaws of a country that I love so much. But because I love Israel, I have to tell the truth. Rabbi Gordas insists that we must be sober and honest about the stakes of what is happening and the seriousness of the problems that Israel is facing. He says we should read about this legislation, why it is so extreme, and most importantly, what a moderate compromise should look like. Compromise. He says, quote, there is no room for pretending. To pretend that everything is okay is to be disloyal. And to continue supporting Israel in the same way that we as Americans always have is just enabling those in power. Yet, we cannot walk away. Those of us who love Israel, who know that Israel is the greatest miracle to befall our people in 2,000 years, maybe ever, we cannot walk away. And there are people on the ground, there are people on the ground right now who are fighting for the soul of Israel. American Jews and our Jewish community in Memphis sends literally, literally millions of dollars every year to Israel. And so one thing, one thing that we can do is to ensure that every single cent of that money goes to organizations fighting for Israel's survival as a Jewish and democratic state where all Jews are welcome, where all its citizens, Jews, Arabs, Christians, and Muslims are free to live and worship as they please. In the words of Theodore Herzl, Im tirtsu enzo agada. If you will it, it is no dream. So let us dream. Let us will. Let us fight for Israel's soul. Keni hiratzon. Shabbat shalom.